Macro Podcast Special Edition for April 3rd, 2010. What makes this a special edition is this is iPad Day. The iPad is officially released, and we are gathered together near and far to talk about that very device. I am joined by editorial director Jason Snell. Hello. Senior editor John Seff. Good afternoon. Um, and and I'm, I'm confused by all the titles of everybody else on this podcast, so I'll just say their names and they can provide their titles. Uh, Dan Morin. Senior associate editor. Or as we like to say, senior associate editor. (laughs) Senior associate editor. And and someone who I believe is making their Macworld podcast debut is Chris Holt. As my second, hey, it's uh, associate editor. Oh, okay. Associate editor and uh, sophomore podcaster. Okay. So I believe that we all have our iPads in our hot little hands. Is that true? Yes, sir. Indeed. Okay. Now, Jason, you are the one person who has had more than uh, an hour or two with this device. You got it early from Apple, I believe, on Thursday. And uh, and so naturally, the first question to you is, which feature are you already bored with? Wow. That is a – you see, you went a different direction from uh, from what I expected. What am I already yeah. bored with? Um I'm not bored with anything yet. I'm, I'm uh, you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of sitting um writing my review <laughs> which I did for a day and a half. Um you know, it, it it'll be nice to actually um dive back into using it and and trying all the apps out because I I it was a it was pretty much a fire drill there for two days. And, you know, Chris, actually, I think technically you and Dan Frakes got to spend more than a couple of hours with it because you were, you were with me on Thursday most of the day poking and prodding with this thing. And then I, I was cruel and tore it away from you. And, and, uh, but no, I mean, it's deep. It's a deep product. I, I haven't gotten bored with anything yet because every time you think that you figured something out, then you get an email or a Twitter message that says, Hey, this, this app is finally out. Like I thought I had the whole iBooks thing figured out. And then somebody said, Kindle for iPad is now on the store. And I was like, Oh God, I got to go get the Kindle now. So, you know, it's one thing after another. It's been, it's been a crazy couple of days. Okay. Well, as you are the jaded veteran, let's, let's turn to the newbies then. And, uh, Fellas, what are some of the first things you did as soon as you pulled the iPad out of the box other than show it to everybody near you? No. I think I think the first thing I actually did was um, launch the App Store because immediately, as cool as the built-in apps are, and they are pretty cool, I did get a chance to see some of them in January. But uh, going into the App Store and, like, you know, having seen the previews over the last couple of days, this app is out and this app is out. Was uh, it was you know, so immediately I already had a list of things like, oh, I gotta go get this, I gotta go get this, and so I think that may have been the first thing I actually did was go into the app store and just start like setting up apps to download. Um, but yeah, and it was if you want to know one thing that I'm bored of actually, sure. or at least frustrated with, is the um, it's still something not quite right for me about the way about the application management, like. In terms of the home screen, which is obviously, if you've seen the iPhone's home screen, it's very, very similar. It's near identical. You can fit a few more apps, and it rotates, which is kind of nice. And you can put a wallpaper there, which is nice. But at the same time, this idea, like, you know, like I said, I went out and started downloading apps, and now I've got, you know, I don't know, 30 apps on here. And it just feels a little bit like, I wish there was a better way to organize these things. And especially if you've already gotten a bunch of iPhone apps and you want to bring some of those over, the process of doing that is not exactly fun 
because it involves going into your, uh, if you don't want to sync everything that you've, you know, synced your iPhone, you got to go into iTunes. You got to start unchecking apps one by one. So it's, it's kind of a pain. Yeah. Now, Chris Holt, you're our game guy. So were there certain games that you were anticipating getting? And as soon as you got the iPad, did you then download a bunch of games? Oh, yeah. Actually, I got about uh, 30 redeem codes, promo codes uh, for the different games before the actual um, you know, product launched. So I got to go and uh, actually play with a lot of the games this morning. Uh, I played uh, World at War Zombies. Uh, was one of the first games I played. And uh, Flight Control HD and Real Racing HD. And these are kind of samples of casual, kind of hardcore, and then a racing game, just kind of for good measure. And they all kind of perform very differently. It was interesting to see. Any one of them jump out at you as like, this is really cool, and if I wasn't working, I'd be playing with this thing? Well, I mean, Fireman always does great things, and Fireman uh, was behind Flight Control, which was a huge success on the iPhone. They really mastered the whole touchscreen technology, and that kind of carries over to the iPad. Um, Flight Control HD was you know, pretty fantastic. I'm actually writing a review for that right now. It's just really easy to draw your fingers across the pad and, and guide your planes. Uh, they actually have a, um, a 3D level in there where you can just buy 3D glasses and, and watch the, uh, the plans kind of come across the screen in, in kind of a different, um, I guess, realms. And it's really weird because it doesn't, doesn't work. You, you would think that 3D, uh, maps would work, but they just do not work on the, uh, on the iPad, at least so far. Right. Now, Seth, what about you? You got your iPad. Uh, I think like me, you waited through the morning until the early afternoon and you finally got it. Um, what did you do with it? Well, you know, since I had all that extra time before it arrived, um, I I did some prep work, um, downloading some apps to get ready, encoding some video to see how it would look. And so as soon as I got it, I plugged it in and was able to do some syncing, and um, that was that was great. I tried out a couple uh, HD videos on the iPad, and, you know, regardless of the aspect ratio issue, you know, the 16 by 9, 4 by 3 thing, HD videos still look really nice on here. Yeah, you have the letterboxing, but uh, the videos look really great. And so I got a chance to try that a little bit, and I tried out the ABC player and Netflix player uh, a little bit just to see uh, streaming video, and, you know, I was pretty impressed with the quality there. And then the other thing for me is a bunch of the um, crossword puzzle applications were updated, and some new ones came out for the iPad. So I'm a big crossword puzzle guy, so I was able to try some of those out and they all they all do things a little bit differently and so I'm not sure which one I'm going to really love the best yet but they are great and it's the kind of thing where on an iPhone it was just really frustrating you you really couldn't do a crossword puzzle on the iPhone because it's so small and on this it's just the real estate makes all the difference and you know the I, I really think people who are saying well it's just a big iPod touch big iPhone they really don't get it i mean you have to try this thing and then you see that having all this extra real estate makes a completely different product well then conversely do we now turn back to our iPod touches and our iPhones and go huh <laughs> this is <laughs> not really the satisfaction yes my iPhone is now a small iPad yeah well that's what i wonder i mean yeah. are we all now disappointed by these devices that a week ago we thought oh this is the greatest thing on earth I, you know, when, when the iPhone came out, before that I used to watch video on a, uh, what, what it was, fourth or fifth generation iPod, you know, the full size iPod, and I would watch video on that and I thought that was okay. And then I got an iPhone and could watch it in widescreen and everything while I'm exercising on the bike, exercise bike, and I thought, wow, I can't believe I ever watched stuff on the iPod. So, you know, I could see getting spoiled. 
I mean, I definitely feel that with the uh, games. You look at Call of Duty World at War Zombies, and looking at it now on the iPad just looks so much better. looks so much more like how it's supposed to look. And you go back to the iPad, the uh, iPhone version, it just doesn't look the same. It looks like real zombies now. Yes, real Nazi zombies. Real life zombies, yeah. yes. like the real thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right, Chris. I think that um, actually a tweet today that made me laugh out loud is John Gruber um, about 9 in the morning posted a tweet that was ding dong and I knew that his UPS guy had arrived. And a half an hour later, he, his next tweet was, wow, my iPhone sucks. And <laughs> I, I had that moment where I picked up the iPhone. It's like, hey, little guy, I remember you. You're so cute with that tiny little interface like that. And it is. It's, it's you know, it, it I, I made that pivot almost immediately to thinking of the iPhone as like iPad mini. I'll take the I'll take the dissenting view here because um, as as much as I did love the iPad, I ran out this afternoon actually to pick up a, a case for the iPad and ran over to the mall to go to the Apple Store. And while I was there, I fired up my my iPhone just to check Twitter really quick and post a little tweet about how loserific it was that I, the first time I stepped out of my house today, I went to an Apple Store. Um, but I don't know. There, I mean, it's a different sort of situation for me because I feel like the iPhone is still as a mobile device. Is is so much more suited. It's like I wasn't going to stick my iPad in my pocket oh, and walk sure. out the door with it. Sure. So you know, and it felt it felt fine to me to like launch that. I mean, totally. When you're in your house or whatever, wherever your iPad is sort of living with you, you know, it seems like a no brainer to pick that up instead of the phone for a lot of the tasks that maybe you were going to the phone to before. But I mean, the iPhone is still a great device, you know, for for walking out, you know, just for its ultimate portability. And there are a few apps here and there which are still. Uh, don't not available on the iPad. For example, Tweety I was using on my iPhone. I kind of miss it on my iPad. Well, you can well, still yeah. run it, except you'll have to run it in, right. in two X. The, the you know I, the, the iPad version of Twitterific is pretty good. So we'll see what Lauren I'm, Lauren will no doubt the guy who does Tweety will come up with something very clever. But I, I've been using um, Twitterific in the meantime and have been um, really enjoying it. I, I think you're right though, Dan. I, I agree completely that um, the portability of, of and pocketability of the iPhone. Is you know of course if you're out and about you're, that's what you're going to have and it's going to be great to be able to have that when you're out and then go back to sort of the the, the big thing when you're you're in uh, and, and you're someplace. not and you're not going to be taking pictures with your iPad either. Well, that's true. Although there'd be a, just, what a what an ungainly camera it would be if it, you know even if it had a camera on it. You're like okay, I'm lifting up my giant iPad now. Everybody smile. Con- conversely, I'm starting to wonder if my if my iPad is going to ruin my MacBook for me. I was typing something on here, and it, there are so many things where it's like, um, you know, there are people who complain, as I have, I think, that uh, you go back to your MacBook after typing something on your iPhone, and you always try to use little shortcuts, like you're waiting for the autocorrect to kick in, or you're trying to hit the space bar a couple times to add a period. And I think now that I've had the, the iPad, and I can actually more or less get away with typing, like, pretty close to how I type on my MacBook, I feel like, you know, and I'm used to using the iPhone shortcuts when I'm typing with all 10 fingers on the iPad. So I can hit the space bar a couple times, get a period. And now I'm going back to my MacBook, and it feels a little weird for me, <laughs> which is strange. Well, speaking of, I brought up using iPhone applications on the iPad, and I know we've only had these things for a little while, but how many people do you think are going to end up buying applications twice simply because they look at the pixel doubling from an iPhone app on their iPad and think, oh, you know, I think this would look so much better. Oh, yes, and it has more features too, but really they want that glorious visual experience from an iPad native app. They're they're kind of hideous, the iPhone apps, and I think, you know, there's definitely a suggestion that that Apple introduced these two compatibility modes, these sort of 
windowed mode and the supersized mode to kind of shame developers no, no, no. into no. making iPad versions. I don't think it's shame. I think it's marketing. I think that they wanted to be able to say compatible with hundreds of thousands of apps. Um, but uh, Dan, you know, you were you were there, and uh, and John was there with me when we were at the event in January when they announced this product, and we we got a little bit of time with those pixel leveled apps then, and it was very apparent even then that running those pixel leveled apps was really not an option. It was going to be the emergency it's fallback a measure. if you absolutely love something and it's not updated for the iPad. But you know, it's totally true. They they are what did you call them? Horrific, hideous. It's like look away, yeah, don't pretty, look at me. Well, I mean, you know, and maybe shame was overstating it, but I think you're right that there's like the most the people who are hardest on themselves are the developers, right? And and so if they see their app running in that mode, you know, they're gonna be the first one to go, Oh God, that looks terrible. I need to do something about this. Well, of course, it's also an opportunity for them to make more money because I have already purchased a couple of apps that I had on iPhone and, and thought I would much rather have the better look and th- these extra features that are that are available. And, and certainly I think we're going to see an avalanche of repeat applications or updates for the iPad in the next couple and of months. And then there's, there's all the confusion between the iPad application, the iPhone application, and then the hybrid application. Mm. And so... And it's it's sort of odd, you know, some of the apps have been updated, so there's one version that works on both. And then, you know, I was looking at some like the Bloomberg app. There's the iPhone version, and then they released a separate Bloomberg for iPad. They're both free, but instead of making a hybrid app, you could have on everything, there's my, two my, separate apps. My understanding is that it's it's hard to make a hybrid app. It's harder that you have to use the same code and then you've got to have different things that say, okay, no, well, now if you're running on this, do this. And so some developers said, look, we're just going to do one just for the iPad because that way we can just code it just for the iPad. The other way to look at it is it, you get to charge twice, which for Bloomberg, if it's free, then it doesn't really matter. But you do get to charge twice. If you're if you're the Icon Factory and they've released their new version, the Twitterific, that, you know, that's a um, – it's a free app, but you've got to upgrade to the premium version, and those upgrades are separate. There, there's a there's a premium version or one password right now. There's a one password in the store that is not the one password that's available uh, on the iP- on the iPhone, and so you know you really at this point would have to pay again to get it. Yeah, and even if developers wanted to give you a break, if you already own the iPhone version, they can't right now. Well, I mean, some yeah, there's, no, there's no way to discount really. Well, some developers uh, like Namco right now are doing something called a Unite SDK, which is allowing you to play, if you're on an iPhone or, or iPod Touch, play against players on an iPad. And it's kind of cross-platform multiplayer experience. So some, some developers, I think, will be trumpeting that as something that's different than kind of buying your application again and, and you know, buying an arm and leg and not being able to play against, you know, people on the iPod or iPod Touch. Well, I like that they that um, EA came out with that tile rack app for the iPhone and the iPod Touch that works with Scrabble, so that you can sit around and you lay an iPad down on the table, and then everybody's got gets out their iPhone, and that's their tile rack, and it's then it's the world's most expensive Scrabble game. That is that is simultaneously the lamest and coolest thing ever. <laughs> I know it's amazing how it could be both, but it is. Okay, so Jason, you reviewed the iPad, and you spent a lot of time with this thing um so give us the high points and if there are any low points those two high points uh it's all fading into the distance now i I feel like i've come out of a hazy hazy dream um i bet the high points you know i i really impressed with the just the physical characteristics of the device it's got that big um glass slab on the front and it's got the aluminum back and it just feels so solid i I think it's maybe the most impressive piece of apple hardware i've ever used 
um, just in, in terms of build quality that I it feels so solid. You know, maybe some of this is psychological, right? It's just like this is a high tech object, and yet I I don't have any problem kind of waving it around, which is what I'm doing now, which is really good podcasting. He is um, waving. I yeah, can see it. And, and it just it's so solid. It's really attractive. I like the back. I like the front. Um, you know, it's this great fusion of software and hardware. It's Apple's processor in there. It's Apple's operating system in there. Apple built the hardware. It is a it, you know it's not a piece of hardware. It's not a piece of software. It is both, which is the quintessential Apple experience. And I guess the other thing that I, I, I really walked away from my time uh, with this with this product thinking is that one of the, those great questions that I that I finally got answered that I've been wondering about since January was. Is that software keyboard going to be typable? And the answer is it is. You can type on it. It's not going to be the thing that you write a novel on. It's not. But I was able actually while we were doing this, I sent out a couple of tweets using Twitterific. And I, I had it in my lap and I typed a couple of sentences and sent it off. And, you know, you get used to it. And with some focus, you can type uh, at least up into the point where you need to use a quotation mark. At mm-hmm. which point you kind of run off the rails because that's brackets or yeah yeah like any that. special characters then it, then it's very slow because you got to switch to the second view. But if you're just typing, you know, letters and punctuation, ooh, John, you got some tweets there on your Twitterific. Um, it, it's uh, it, it's it's typable. It's more typable than I thought. So I would that would that would be a, a surprise for me. And in terms of the negatives, I mean the big the big thing that I kind of grouse about in my review is um the. Ironically enough, the music and video controls, where I was actually a little disappointed. I'm disappointed like that the, the, the iTunes app, or I guess it's the iPod app, but it looks a lot like iTunes, but it won't let you, um, it won't let you uh, connect to a share, like a, mm-hmm. a, a shared iTunes, and it won't let you play back videos from that. It, it doesn't do – th- this thing could be a portable Apple TV, screen included, but it's right. not. It, it, everything has to sync over USB, and that dis, that disappointed me. I, I think that they could have added some more functionality and made it better, and I feel like they were so focused on some other areas that they figured they would let those languish because Apple – that's always been Apple's thing is music and video, and they already had it for the iPhone. And I think maybe that was a mistake that they could have put a little more into it and, and added some more features. Right. Now, we played with it quite a bit the other day. Uh, you, Dan, and I were passing this around for hours, and I think when you left, and we probably used it for six hours, it still had about 74% battery life. Have oh, you yeah. found the battery to be as impressive throughout your testing? We're going to do some battery testing. Um, our lab director, Jim Galbraith, actually left with one. He's going to test it uh, over the weekend. Um but yeah, it's basically you, it takes a while to charge. It takes actually a lot longer to charge it because it's such a huge battery. But if you charge it overnight and then use it during the day, you basically can use it the whole day. It, it does most of the long um, long term reviewers, the people who got it a week in advance, um, have reported that it's Apple's ten hours of battery life is is understating it, and that they were getting more like twelve hours, uh, and that's playing videos and stuff all the time. So it's it's a pretty amazing battery. This is not going to be the thing that people um, that 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 people get knocked for. Well, well speaking of the battery, and, and you explained this in the video, but maybe we should do it again. Is talk about the charging issues with the iPad? What kind of power it needs, and, and the computers it's compatible with? It runs on nuclear power. So, <laughs> no, that's that's not true. Um, yeah, there there are issues on the type of USB port that certain computers provide enough power over the USB port to charge it while it's on. Some don't. Some will let you um, 
run it off the computer while it's connected, but not charge it. And it'll actually say not charging on the iPad right. itself. <laughs> it's like it's uh, mocking you. I'm not yes. charging now. Sorry. Mm-mm. But but what I assume is that it's not losing power. Right. It's, it's just powering it, but it can't charge the battery at the same time. Right, right. It, it's not getting enough juice to also charge the battery simultaneously while it's doing something, while it's being used or sinking. But although if it goes to sleep then after the sink is done, then it will right. start charging, although not as fast as if you use the 10-watt power adapter that comes with it. So, uh, you know, definitely for Macs that aren't able to power that, um, you know, you're going to want to plug it into the power adapter to charge it. And if you're powering it overnight anyway, you know, you probably – would yeah. want to plug it into the wall instead of into a computer and leaving both of them on. Right. Right. But if you're going on vacation, you want to make sure you take that power adapter with you Definitely. and not depend on your laptop. Yeah. Definitely. Well, luckily, it's very small, too. It's, yeah, it's, tiny it's bigger little, than the iPhone one, but not no, by much. Yeah, not very big. And then the the cable is, you know, the same cable you would connect to your USB port anyway. Yeah. So. Right. So what do you guys think about the ebook experience? Um, some of you have Kindles. Compare and contrast. Is the display too bright to look at? At books, or does it just look amazing? I, as uh, the person who who had a chance to use uh, an iPad in the dark, although we're in the dark here, our podcast room on the weekend apparently has no light, um, so that's interesting. But uh, last night I tried to read uh, before I went to bed um, just to try this out, and I actually turned the brightness all the way down. And, you know, with the Kindle app, you can actually put it into invert mode, too, so that, that it's white text on a black background. And that was fine. Um, actually, I have a Kindle and I have a clip-on book light because <laughs> it doesn't light itself. And this was better because it lit itself. Um, I wish that iBooks let you flip it into um, white text on black background mode, and it doesn't do that, at least yet. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's readable and you turn it down and it's not too bright. I'm sure that if you've got a sleeping uh, person next to you and they wake up and look at you, they might be like, God, it's so bright. But I didn't find it overwhelming at the at the lowest setting. And um, and I, iBooks lets you adjust the brightness from within the app, which is pretty cool. Kindle doesn't. Kindle has a slider, but it's actually a contrast slider, which is too bad. So I hope they update that to, to take advantage of the, the brightness controls because that's really nice too to be able to just sort of slide the brightness down from right within the app. Anybody else? Yeah, I played with it a little bit. Uh, I haven't downloaded a, I haven't actually bought a book. I downloaded a sample from one and I did, uh, tested it out to see if you could actually bring ebooks over from other sources, which you can if they're in the ePub yeah, yeah. format, as long as they don't have DRM on them. Right. So if you go over to Project Gutenberg, then you can download the immense, you know, library of ebooks they have. So I downloaded a Sherlock Holmes story or something, and I was flipping through that. It looked fine. It looked great. And you got to drag um, it into your iTunes library and then sync to get the it. Trick. Yeah. Which is yeah. too bad because um, it could use shared space. Um, but it doesn't do that right now. So you can't just sort of drag it in from any computer. It has to be your computer that you're syncing your iPad with. Um, I did that with Macworld's um, iPhone Super Guide, which we have on the iPad or on the iPhone. Um, but I, that, that starts out life as an EPUB file, and I dragged it, that in. It looked great. It's, it's a little harder to make your own EPUBs, as I found. I was trying to make an EPUB out of one of my own documents, uh, and the tools for doing that are a little rudimentary uh, and a little rough around the edges uh, on the on the Mac so far. But there are some I know there are some developments coming in that area. But I, I thought that the uh, the book interface worked pretty well. I'm a little there are some little kinks here and there that I'm hoping that they they sort of tweak over time. For example, why is all the text justified for alignment? It's very weird. It's kind of annoying at times. It would be nice if you at least had the options to turn that off. Um, some of the 
you know, the font choices are a little limited and strange, but you know, the default's fine for most things. But I, I'm really curious to know how this works. I've never really used an ebook reader that much. I've only briefly used my my phone even for that. Um, I'm a very I, I really like the physical books a lot. Uh, but I'm kind of curious to see how it holds up in regards to that. For example, you know, a lot of people have made uh, questions or asked questions about hey, if it's too heavy. And it's definitely, you know, if you hold up the, the iPad for a while, it gets kind of weighty. Like, yeah. you know, you, your arm starts to get a little tired. So I'm curious if you're like lying in bed reading this and it's not on your lap or something, then is it going to get to a point where it's, you know, too fatiguing? It's way heavier than the Kindle. I mean, I'll say that for the Kindle. Um, the Kindle is really light. It's really easy to hold it in one hand. With the iPad, I actually had a hard time. I, I, I felt a little tenuous holding it in one hand. Um, and... And uh, two hands was a lot easier. Uh, when I put a case on it, it actually was a lot easier to hold it because then there was, I felt like there was a little more to grip there. Um, so, so yeah, I was more. I'm more comfortable reading on the Kindle just in terms of holding it. But some of that is probably just getting used to the iPad. But yeah, it's it's a pound and a half in your hands. So I think that leaning it on something, you know, resting it at least in part on something is probably what people are going to want to do. But we'll see. It's I think maybe too early for us to well, know. Yeah, yeah, because I know. Long ago, when people were talking about tablet computers, they said, well, what's the best way to hold this thing? Do you cradle it? Do you put it in the palm of your hand? Do you have to have an expensive leather chair to sit on and sit cross-legged and put the thing in your lap? I mean, can you really use this in a lot of different places, or you're kind of confined by the form? I mean, it's still a little early to tell. I've found that, you know, having it on there, I, I made a comment on Twitter about this the other day. I really think that the iPad is in some ways a Better, dis, you know, laptop is a better descriptor of what <laughs> the iPad does than than any notebook computer because you know Apple has in recent years shied away from using the term laptop because they really don't want you to put your MacBooks on your lap because anybody knows who's who's done this your your thighs start to get very warm very quickly um, but there is something about you know just the the, the form factor I think of a tablet is that it fits very comfortably onto your lap or you can sit there with your legs crossed as as Steve did in his in his demo, and it's, it seems very natural to hold it just as you might, you know, put a magazine or a book down there or something. Um, but in terms of, you know, walking around with it, I don't know. I feel like and I'm picking mine up now, which, again, not great for a podcast, but I feel like, I mean, you need one hand free, right? So you got to be holding it with one hand, and it definitely does start to get kind of weighty uh, with your, you know, on, a little tense on your wrist if you're holding it with one hand and typing with the other hand. So I don't know. It's, it seems like an interesting Interesting question we're going to have to evaluate after we've had some more time with it. All right. Um, John, I want to talk to you a little bit about HD video on this thing because it, the display doesn't support 720p. Um, the output from either component or composite isn't 720p, and yet Apple says, oh, yes, but it'll support HD video. So how does that work exactly? Well, it supports HD video in the sense that if you put a 720p video that is supported by the Apple TV, uh, it's the same, I believe it's the same support on the iPad. So um, obviously it's scaling, doing some scaling because it's not presenting the entire thing, but an HD video looks much better than a 
iPod encoded video or iPhone encoded right. video. You could probably, I mean, I'm sure John is is working already on the how to encode video for your iPad, but I would assume that what you'd really want to do is encode it for the width of the screen because you're probably, I mean, you can zoom in to four by three, but it's like, you know, watching some of the shows from the, from, you know, five or 10 years ago where they shot them in widescreen, but they were made to just get cut off on the side. So nothing ever happens in the corners, right. so, which, you know, for most things, you're not going to want to watch it that way. So, so HD is probably overkill because it's 720 pixels high, you know, but it's not it's not wide enough to get the whole picture in there. Yeah, and since, you know, the the storage on these is obviously less than on a uh, a laptop or so. I mean, you know, we we got a bunch of the 16 gig versions, but even if you have 64 gigs, if you're encoding um videos in full 720p, they're going to take up a lot of room. They're going to eat up a lot of the space on the device. So, you know, there will be better settings that you can do specifically for the iPad. And I'm, I'm hoping that, um, some of the video encoding tools that are out there now will be updated shortly to add some iPad presets because that way you could do something that's going to be, you know, bigger than iPhone, but smaller than Apple TV. And therefore you're going to save some precious hard drive space. Right. Right. So I'll, I'll be looking into that. And then as the things come out, I'll, I'll update the story I've done a thousand times, which is encode video for X device. Yes, but it's great every time you write it. Yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, one thing I'm heartened about is that today, with the release of the iPad, there are streaming applications there that are very impressive. I think the ABC player looks incredible. It really does. If you're, a, if you're a Lost fan in particular. Oh, yeah. And Netflix is out. It's I've tried terrible. To, yeah, it's terrible, but it's here. Yes, right. They they just look. I don't want to sound ungrateful. It works. It works. Although it, it it's got some bugs in it where if you do if you sort of touch anything while the video is playing, the video kind of goes behind the web view and yeah, and I ran you can't into get that. It back. That was so frustrating. So it's like don't, don't look at it. Don't funny or it'll 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 punish you. Um, but it's funny in that it's it's. When you touch on the Netflix app to open it, it's like you're in a web browser because you are. It's just a web view of the Netflix site. You log in. You navigate to your instant queue. You press play. But when you press play, ding, it starts loading that video in a QuickTime player, and you're off, and you're watching it. And that, that part is great. They, they are, I, I would like a native view. I think a native interface would be great. But at least they've got it out, and that's it's great to have it. I, I can't well, wait for the Sling player uh, for iPad as well to work with Slingbox because that will be another great use of the iPad. Right, and contrast this to the Apple TV, where Apple just locks you in to iTunes, and here on day one, we have these kind of streaming apps that allow you to get out from iTunes yeah. and get content onto the iPad, which I think is wonderful, because I imagine that Apple's had conversations with these companies and said, yeah, come ahead, which is very encouraging to me. I agree. I, I think that the fact that the Kindle app was there on day one, um, is is a great message to send too. That right out of the gate, if you're a Kindle user, you can go buy an iPad, and all your books are going to be there. You don't ha- you don't have to rebuy them in iBooks or or anything like that. Apple's happy if you use iBooks, but if you want to use Kindle, great. And the, they're, they're, and the, kin- the Kindle app, you know, it just ties into your account. And I had a book in there. I was reading a bit on my iPhone, and it just remembered my place. And 
you know, right. it, it syncs. It just it syncs the yeah. location. Oh, the Kindle, the Kindle reading experience on the iPad is great. It, yeah. It's a, it, and it's a really nice app. It's really well done. It's actually a better app than iBooks, I think, at this point. They both have things that the I wish the other one would do, but it's got more features. Um, it's got really good fit and finish. The only thing that you can't do is buy books in the app because of Apple's rules. What you have to do is open up Safari and buy them in the on the on Amazon's website and then go back to the Kindle app. Right. But otherwise, you know, the the reading experience on the Kindle app is is fantastic. And it's great that Apple said, fine, you know, at the end of the day, what does Apple want to do? It wants to sell iPads. It doesn't really care where the books come from. Right. Now how about iWork? How satisfying is that as a productivity suite? Wow. Satisfying. I mean, I've I've used them a little bit, Chris. You've used them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, they're so deep that I haven't had enough time to go in and like build a presentation and things like that. My 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 inclination is to say that what they're going to be good for is editing and presenting things yeah. and touching things up. So you know, you, you're a salesperson and you're on the road and you've got your core pitch as a presentation, and then you're going to three clients and you sit on the airplane and you customize the presentations for the three clients, and then you present using the iPad. Would you build that whole presentation from scratch on the iPad? I'm thinking probably not, um, unless you were really kind of in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for for touch up stuff, somebody sends you something and you want to open it and make a change and send it back. For that, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be good. I, there's gonna be competition there too, right? I mean, um, Mariner has already come up with um, at least one of their Office apps that can open Microsoft uh, Office files, and there will probably be more. So um, there's gonna be some competition with with iWork too on this device, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I understand there's no flash on this. Well, there's, no, there's no camera, what? so why would you need a flash? <laughs> oh. no, okay. This is the no, first I've heard of this, Chris. Well, you know, there's so little. We, I was looking at this this morning when I was finishing my review. Three years ago when the original iPhone came out, um, Apple boasted that it was the best way to interact with the web. And the problem with that was there was so much stuff that was in Flash. And other than YouTube at that point, you had no alternative. If it was in Flash, it was not something you could see. In the, in, in the intervi- intervening time, things have changed a lot. And um, there's not as much Flash out there. There are a lot of websites because of the iPhone and because of the impending release of the iPad. A lot of sites have changed their sites to, if not dump Flash, then to offer an alternative. CNN is a good example. The CNN website is actually gorgeous playing back video in line um, with no Flash on the iPad. So, so there are there in that sense, it's less of a big deal. However, if you're somebody who um, has there are a lot of kids game sites that are flash game based. There are mm-hmm. a lot there are a lot of games in general that are flash based. If you're one of these people who spends a lot of time on Facebook playing some of the flash games there, I mean those don't work on the iPad. And if you're somebody who loves those things and that's a key part of your web experience, don't get an iPad because uh, at least up to this point you aren't going to be able to play. My my, my daughter isn't going to be able to play Webkins, let's say on the right. on the uh, on the iPad. It's it's not there. Well, I mean, if you also wanted to uh, watch March Madness right now, Butler Michigan State game is on, and I, I can't watch that on uh, the iPad because it doesn't have Flash, it doesn't support Flash. Right. Although, I, although you could watch it in the March Madness app, right? Is that out there? For yeah. The iPad? Yeah. Well, for for it's for iPhone. Okay. But that may be a transition problem, or you could watch it in super double pixel mode. But there is a March Madness app for the iPhone. But yeah, I mean, and that's what a lot of uh, a lot of uh, companies are doing is they're releasing custom apps to replace their Flash experience on the web 
Although I was, like I said, I was impressed to see that um, you know CNN is an example where it's in the web page. Like you go to CNN's homepage and there's a video there and you tap on it and the video starts playing in that box. It doesn't even open a different window. It plays it in the box on the web page, which is pretty amazing. Well, what about um, individual apps for publishers? Uh, iBooks has books, but no magazines, no newspapers. And what direction do well, companies like ours go in when we want to get on this device. Wow. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a mess right now. Apple is not providing a solution for this. So what you're going to get is um, you're going to get some companies, newspaper and magazine, who are going to build their own. Uh, we've already seen Popular Science, I think, is out there um, with, with their own app, which is sort of based on this Mag Plus format. Um, Zinio is coming out with an app that is going to be um, – that I believe Macworld is going to be in. Um, that's a digital version of the print magazine. And, uh, you know, then you've got apps like New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and USA Today where they build apps as front ends to their, their, you know, essentially it's their news, newspaper, but it's through, through the, the same stuff that feeds their website. And then there are probably going to be some consortiums that like build an app that, you know, inside which you're going to be able to subscribe to like some different newspapers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's kind of all over the place right now. Now, Dan Warren, you talk to developers fairly often, and uh, I would imagine some of them are very excited today. I think there is a lot of excitement about this. And, I mean, it's it's kind of two-pronged for a lot of developers because, of course, they write software for the iPhone and the iPad, but they're also users like us. And so, you know, they're all really excited about the possibility of getting their own programs on the iPad, but they're also excited about using it just like we are. Um, in terms of, of writing software, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of developers, I know who have taken kind of a wait and see approach because as you know, most nobody got had the chance to handle the iPad between the introduction and the launch. So aside from a very few small number of developers that Apple sort of handpicked, um, there are a lot of these apps that are released in the store today um, that haven't been tested on an iPad prior to today. So and you'll see that every once in a while. In fact, I just had Twitterific open a little bit ago, and I, I definitely ran into a couple minor glitches there, but obviously Craig didn't have a chance to test that on an iPad uh, beforehand. So I think though there are a lot of great applications already in the store, and that number has only been increasing since Thursday or so, uh, I think that a lot of the best apps are yet to come as, as those developers finally get a chance to actually use the device for themselves and see what it's capable of. Yeah, I've seen a few tweets from developers who are just giddy that they actually get to use an iPad and see if their app works because they did it all in the development tools, never used it on an iPad, and uh, and said, "Oh, look at that! It yeah. works after all." There are some That's kind of a risk you do. The, yeah. there, there are some. I know that I know that Apple took iPads um, and and tasers and handcuffs to uh, a few big developers, and I think that some other developers were invited to come to Apple for a little while, and you know use their app for a couple hours on a real iPad. But the vast majority of these apps that are out there were um, never run on a physical iPad except inside Apple, and the developer never got to see them run. So uh, there's going to be a learning curve for the next couple of weeks, no doubt about it. Well, I think that's a reasonable risk to take. At first, I wasn't so sure about it, but then I downloaded $42 worth of apps <laughs> the minute I got my iPad because I said, oh, I want this, 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 this. And I'm sure that there'll be updates for those that, that don't work as well as they could. But being there on day one, I'm sure is going to be a huge advantage to some of these people. No doubt. All right. So let's go around the horn and uh, 
Tell me, in your brief experience, all of you, um, name an app that so far has intrigued you on the iPad. I've got one. Um, I just downloaded this. It's a, or I downloaded this morning because I got a, a promo code for it. It's an app called Small World. It's a port of a board game to uh, to the iPad. And it's kind of interesting because basically the idea of it, I think the, the, the app is limited to two-player games, but you put it down in between you and the person you're playing with, and you can just sort of play it like the board game. Now, this is kind of a board game that's that's maybe not very well-known, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's sort of a strategy-like game, like, like Risk, perhaps. But I'm fascinated by the idea of porting board games to the iPad because – in some ways, I, I do love playing, you know, board games or sort of a, a you know, a, a tactile experience there. But at the same time, carrying around board games is a pain. If you're going on a trip or something, uh, there's a lot of boxes or bags or stuff like that, a lot of pieces you can lose. And so the idea of porting board games to something like the iPad, which is even more friendly to that kind of format than the iPhone was, it really, I really find that fascinating, and I'm I'm a big board game fan, so I'm looking forward to trying this out with a with a friend and seeing how well it really plays. Okay, Chris Holt. Uh, I think the uh, game I'm mo- most looking forward to is uh, Mirror's Edge, which was a really high end uh, console game. Got poor the iPhone, um, and now it's coming over to. Uh, oh, well, Jason's showing it to me right now. Just coming over to the uh, iPad now, and it's supposed to look just fantastic. I really want to see how it translates. And John? Well, I, I'm definitely intrigued by the crossword puzzle apps. I have a few on here that I'm going to be playing with soon. The other thing is there's all of these music apps and, you know, for, for creating music. And on the iPhone, those things were kind of toys, you know, playing like a little piano keyboard and things like that. And there's some really nice-looking apps for the iPad where you actually have some room to actually move your fingers and do some stuff on it. So um, I'm kind of interested in how it's going to perform as a, you know, musical tool. So there's a lot of those apps that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Jason? Uh, comic book readers. Comics yeah. um, from Comixology, Iverse, Panelfly, which actually doesn't appear to be out yet, um, are all the ones, and the Marvel Comics app, which is really sort of a white-label version of um, Comics by Comixology. Um, those are all places that you use those apps to buy and read comics from publishers. And then there are going to be others like Comic Zeal, which actually is one of those apps that um, it's out now, but the developer doesn't have an iPad yet, and there are some bugs. But Comic Zeal is one of these apps where you, uh, if you've got a comic book file um, that you've downloaded from Parts Unknown, or let's say if you've scanned it in from one of your comic books, you can uh, share. Yes, that is common. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I downloaded some comics that I already own and I put them on there. Anyway, that they're going to be apps like that too. But the comic book industry, I'm telling you, those guys are falling over themselves over the iPad because this is the first really portable color screen reader that um, it's really the first one that we've seen where comic book reading is actually a legitimate possibility where you can see the whole screen and all the art in all of its glory. So um, I'm looking forward to all the comic book readers, and and, uh, that's going to be awesome. Okay, well, I, I was going to wrap up, but now I'm not going to because I want to talk more about comics. Um, Fine. Well, hey, and you, that you know, is, it's only been 40, 41 minutes, Chris. Oh, well, so perfect. We, got, we, can, you know. we can go on for another hour and a half. Um, so what about the uh, comic book fetishists? And, I, and I, by that, I mean the people who love the media of paper and they like having the plastic bags and they like opening them with tweezers. 
Does this spell the end of paper comics? Or are, are comic collectors concerned about this, that this is their livelihood of, of trading paper, and now everything's going to be in digital form, and it's going to look great, but there's nothing collectible? Well, it depends on who you are, right? I mean, uh, and the industry doesn't want to – what's the industry going to do? If the industry fully embraced digital, um, it might go digital very quickly. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether the collectors – they're people who want it in paper because they're collectors. I think the danger of the comic book industry is that they, they don't have much left be, other than the collectors. And there's probably this whole mass of people who would be interested in reading comics. I mean, I started buying comics again about a year ago and I stopped after two or three months because I kept getting all these comics. It's like I don't want them. I don't want to keep them. I don't want to recycle them because I, I, that would give me nice. Nightmares. I was trained too well as a comic book kid. Um, you know, digital is great. I want to buy them digitally. So I would say well, because you you want to read them, right? You don't right. necessarily. You're not I just want to read them. People want to mount them on your wall, right? So they're collectors, and then they're people who just want to read them. And if they embrace this technology as a way to get readers, um, and and then still find a way to do a print version of them, but it's sort of up to what. To a certain degree, it's up to the publishers, right? Although the reality is that every comic book that gets published is scanned and posted online within a day. Mm-hmm. So you can get them all without paying for any of them. So I think in the end, it's going to be like the music industry where um, the co- the publishers are going to have to embrace digital and they're going to have to embrace it in a real way, not what they're doing now. Like um, the indies are doing this now. But like Marvel, um, if you if you download that Marvel app for the iPad, what you'll find is that you can read the latest issues of Amazing Spider-Man. And by latest, I mean um, two years late. Uh, they're, they're old issues. They're, they're, mm-hmm. um, they're before they even decided the Spider-Man shouldn't be married anymore. That it's been that long. And, um, you gotta, you can't do that because th- this week's issue is already up. So, so that's the question. DC is nowhere to be found. I'm sure they've got a strategy, but they're not even out there yet. So, so for me, that's what it, that, it, it, they're going to have to deal with this because the piracy issue is only going to become bigger now that there are devices that are really good places to put pirated comics. So they need to be out in front of it. You know, when I was a kid, I actually stopped reading comics because I couldn't get back issues of a lot of comics I wanted. They were all out of print. You couldn't get them in stores. Good and, point. And, you know, now like, you know, getting digitally, that's, that's the next step. And you'll, you'll be able to retain more fans by having a digital. Well, in comics by uh, Comixology, they've got, for example, um, Invincible, which is this fantastic comic by Robert Kirkman. Um, and they've done about 55, 56 issues and an issue like one through 54. It's, it's not quite up to the current, to the present day, but you know, you could start with issue one and you can actually buy, um, digital trades of like the first six issues for a lower price, which is also cool. Um, so yeah, you, you, you go back to number one and you just start reading, which is, you know, such a great idea. Well, I have a couple boxes full of comic books at home somewhere. So if you guys really want some 20, Five thirty-year-old comics. Uh, you know, let me know. Sure, we'll scan them in, and yeah. then you can read them on your iPad. Maybe they're worth something. Well, they're worth something. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> okay, uh, before we leave, uh, anybody miss any of the missing applications? Clock, uh, stocks. We were just talking you know, about how, how about there, how there, how, are, there are replacements for that, and those apps yeah. are pretty terrible. I mean, the stocks app is terrible. The weather app is terrible on the iPhone. You know, so the the replacements for them. I never use them, and the worst thing is you couldn't take them off. Dan Morin, what were you going to say? I was going to say that there, there's, there is one downside. The, the clock app on the iPhone runs in the background. Right. So if you set an alarm, yep. you can, yeah. it'll go off no matter what's on. Now there's no way to do that. Ooh. Okay. You got I'm, me there. I'm a Actually, I think there are apps out there that use push notifications to do that. Where you yeah, set well, you set a it, it's not ideal better. right you set a push no, notification and then at a given time they push a notification back to you with an alarm sound 
but it's not. Right. And of course, same. then you're you're depending on some sort of external service. And that if you know, it's it doesn't. It's not necessarily going to work as an alarm clock if you're traveling or whatever. Right. But I mean, hopefully you have an iPhone for that. Yeah, or an alarm <laughs> clock. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I know that we all need to get out and um, and start. You know, it's Saturday, on. right? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not the weekend. For us. It's not Saturday. Let's work not some more. Weekend. No, we need to work some more on uh, on all our uh, iPad coverage, which we will have uh, many weeks worth of coming up. So no I doubt. would like to thank Jason Snell. Thank you, John Seff. Thank you, Chris Holt. Thank you, and Dan Morin. And I'm Chris Breen for the MacWorld Podcast. Thanks for listening. 